Don't Get in the Van. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Mandy. And today we have a local STL case for everybody that Mandy's going to tell us about. I only know very minimal information about this one, so I'm pretty excited for you to tell us. So let's hear it. Okay. So guys, we are talking today about the Chain of Rocks Bridge Murders. So um, I actually spoke to a few people about this, and people that live here do not know about this. I have some clients, yes, that I was tattooing that I brought. Like They were just asking about it, and I told them that this was the episode we were doing next, and they were like, wait, what? What happened? were killed there? And I was like, oh, tune in and find out. Yeah. So I've been to the Chain of Rocks Bridge many times. We did a photo shoot there. Mm -hmm. I've done other photo shoots there. It's a really beautiful location, I think. it's. um, So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Chain of Rocks Bridge. So it spans the Mississippi River on the north edge of St. Louis, so in Missouri, and the eastern end of the bridge is on Shoto Island. So Shoto Island is a very cool little island. It it almost looks like a beach. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. sand and little, like, inlets. It's just beautiful. So that part, though, is part of Madison, Illinois. So this bridge is, one end is Illinois, one end is Missouri. So its most notable feature is that there's a 22-degree bend in the middle of the crossing. So uh, the first... It's just always like that. They built it like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So it was first constructed in 1929, and it's 50 feet above the water. Hmm. Okay. So the bridge closed, so it was for automotive traffic in the beginning, but mm-hmm. then it closed to automotive traffic in 1968, and it was restored and reopened as part of the region's trailways in 1999. And now only pedestrians or bike riders can be on the bridge. But they're actually uh, Gateway gateway Greenworks, I think it is. They received a grant, and they're doing more uh, revitalization to to the whole area, Chain of Rocks, which is pretty cool. So, the Mississippi River. So that's a pretty giant river yeah yeah (laughs) it's huge but so around here so there's uh the confluence of where the missouri river and the mississippi river join so it creates like a river-wide set of white water rapids okay Mm -hmm. so it's very it's not like a calm river river by any means right um it's not a great idea to swim it yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's definitely you know, it's like there's submerged concrete hazard. There's like rebar down there. There's mm. just junk. There's like you know, logs floating around that could knock you in the it head. It was a mess. Yeah. yeah, when we went out there for that photo shoot, it was a mess. Yeah, there's lots and lots of debris going on. Yeah. Um. So passage through these turbulent waters is considered very dangerous. And I got this from the Missouri River Water Trail dot oh, wow. org. So yeah. they're kind of like, hey guys, don't yeah. swim, don't swim. Yeah. <laughs> So, and it says, keep in mind that the riverfront near St. Louis is typically very busy. Lots of barges mm-hmm. and um, paddle trip down to the arch presents some complex hazards to paddlers and should not be taken lightly. So not, I mean, I've paddled the on the Mississippi before, but mm-hmm. very, very small amount. And I was with a trail guide. So, you know, we they knew where to take us, but going <laughs> out into the middle of it's just not a good not idea. Not a good idea, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway... Uh, the players in this story today, so there's uh, Tom Cummins, and he's 19, and he is from Maryland. And then Julie Carey and Robin Carey, they are from St. Louis, and they're all cousins. So Tom, Julie, and Robin, all cousins. 
So Tom's family is there visiting the cousins. It's mm-hmm. their vacation for about a week or two. So anyway, they are decided. They're like, we kind of want some time without our parents. So Tom... He was not supposed to go anywhere, he asked, because they were leaving St. Louis the next day. And he's like, hey, can I go out with Julie and uh, Robin? And his dad was like, no, you can't go anywhere. And he's 19, guys. Yeah. But he said no. So Tom's like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to go and sleep in the van. So, okay, guys, that's a number one. (laughs) He was sleeping in the van, but if you're going to sleep in the van, you might as well just get out and go wherever you are. Yeah. Guys, don't get in the van. Yeah. Anyway. Don't get in the van. (laughs) No, so anyway... He decides, he's like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. He goes into the van and then waits for all the lights to go out and then sneaks out, meets his cousins, Julie and Robin, and they wanted to go spend the last night on the town together, but Julie was a poet and she's like, hey guys, I want to show you my poem that I spray painted on the Chain of Rocks Bridge. So he's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go see the poem. So that's their plan. They're going to go to the bridge they have to sneak in under, you know, like a chain link fence that's been cut. They've got to sneak in. And oh. it's it's definitely like a, a hangout place right now for kids. So people go and like smoke or smoke So at that point, it's drink. completely closed down. People aren't using it to travel or anything. You cannot, no. Were you still allowed to like ride your bikes and walk no. at that point? Okay, no. so not until the restoration. Like, okay. It's like, we're not using this right now. It at needs all. to be yeah. fixed. There's manholes that are not covered all over. So, of course, kids are out there hanging out. Kids are just chilling and jumping down the manholes to the, you know, the areas below, just hanging out. It's not the safest option, but they're, you know, 15 and up probably likes to chill there and, like, drink and smoke and whatever. Anyway, so at the same time, there's another group. So, Antonio Richardson, 16. Reginald Clemens is 20. Marlon Gray is 24. And Daniel Rip Winfrey is 15, and they decided that they were going to go hang out on the bridge that night as well. So, like I said, not uncommon, kids hang out on the bridge. Yeah. So, the two groups, um, they did not know each other at all, but at one point, they kind of, like, run into each other, and they just have this brief conversation. Um, Gray showed, Marlon Gray showed them how to climb down a manhole cover on the bridge down to the pier. They didn't go. He was just like, hey, you know, you can go down this this manhole cover right here, or this manhole that's not covered yeah. and just like hang out down there. And he's like, it's kind of a good place to like be with a girl or whatever. Right. And they were like, okay, weird, whatever. Yeah. So they're just, these hanging are my out. cousins. So these are my cousins. Yeah. We're not doing that. <laughs> not, we're not doing that right now. So, um, one of the other guys was like, Hey, I lost my flashlight on the bridge. So Tom remembers, uh, being like, okay, even if we found his flashlight, how would we get it to him? You know, cause we're not going to hang out tonight. Like we're yeah. going opposite directions. So, anyway, there was nothing weird about it. They were just like, hey, see you later, whatever. They start walking away. So, the cousins, Tom, Julian, Robin, they go towards the Illinois side of the bridge. And the four guys go to the Missouri side of the bridge. So, they go opposite directions. So, shortly after the groups separate, Clemens, one of the second group of the boys... Mm -hmm. They suggested that they go back and they rob Julie, Robin, and Tom. And then Gray, Marlon Gray, was like, hey, that's an awesome idea. And he's quoted saying, I really feel like hurting somebody tonight. Oh, God. So every single source says that on his, on all the reports through, you know, like the database and whatnot. They all say that. So the group turns around and they're like, okay, let's go find him. So they start walking towards the Illinois side of the bridge. And they eventually come upon 
uh, Julie, Robin, and Tom. And they had found the poem by then. They were reading the poem, and they were like, oh, it's so good, blah, blah, blah. We're so excited for you. Julie was really excited because she wanted to be a poet. And So anyway, as the groups passed a bend in the bridge, Gray put his arm around Cummins, Tom Cummins, and told him, this is a robbery. Get down on the ground. Cummins complied, and Richardson, Clemens, and Winfrey grabbed the two girls. And then uh, one of the three told the girls, like, hey, stop screaming or we're going to throw you off the bridge. And then they said, hey, do you want to die? Stop screaming or you're going to die. So the girls are terrified. Tom is laid flat down with his face on the bridge and a foot to his face. And they said, if you move, we're going to shoot you. So he didn't see a gun, but they definitely were saying, hey, we have a gun. We're going to shoot you. They threatened the girls to shoot them. So he has no choice but to lay flat and he can't see what's happening what's either on? his face is flat into the, the concrete of yeah. the bridge right so they're next to like i said there's manholes everywhere and they're not covered so they took the three of the guys took the girls down um, one of the uncovered manholes and they took turns raping the girls while tom was held down on the bridge so after this brutal attack uh, Clemens forced Tom to surrender his wallet, wristwatch, and some cash and keys. So t- Tom was then told to go down the manhole. So remember, the girls are down the manhole. And they're like, get down the manhole right now. So he sees his two cousins, and he's like, oh, thank God. Like, they're still alive. They're, I have chills talking about it. They're laying there um, completely naked, just like laying on their backs. And... Um, you know, they're like, get down there and join them. So they're all laying there. And then Julie and Tom, they kind of get a little bit closer together. And he's like, oh, my God, thank God they're down here. And then they said, don't touch each other. And they're like, get up. So they won't let them touch each other. They won't let them talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Robin's not talking at all. And they get up and they tell them to walk over close to the edge of the bridge, right? So when they get over there... um, Julie and Robin were pushed from the pier of the bridge, falling a distance of 50 plus feet to the water below. They first push Julie, then they push Robin. Then they look at Tom and they say, Tom, or they don't say Tom, they say, you can either be shot and we can push you off or you can jump. So he jumps. He jumps. He jumps. He said that he believed his chances of survival were better if he just jumped. Jumped. Rather yeah, than letting even, them shove him. Yeah, getting shoved or like you know, heaven forbid being shot and then dropped down into the water. He's like, I'm jumping. And so it was terrifying. He said he remembered just falling and falling and falling. He's like, I didn't realize how high we were until I just felt like I wasn't going to stop falling and then gets into the water below. So Tom uh, comes to the surface. He remembers it being really hard to get to the surface. So like we said, this river is not forgiving. It's it's hard. Like, and you could be... Tangled up in something. So anyway, he gets himself oh, to the it's surface. Nighttime. It's nighttime. You can't see anything. Think about how dark it is. Like if you're, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, but in the middle of the ocean, how dark it is. Yeah. And I mean, we're not in the middle of the ocean, but you're in the big, like a giant well, body of is, water. It is a river and there's trees and stuff everywhere it's out there. Very, so I can imagine dark. how dark it would have been. Yeah. So, um, so he comes to the surface and after about a mile of swimming, I, could, I don't think I could do that. A mile. A mile. He saw Julie nearby in the water and called for her to swim. So he's like, thank God. Like, I see her, right? And so 
The current brought the two together finally, and Julie grabbed onto him. Oh, they were. She was alive <clears throat> at that time. Yeah. So she's alive. Oh God. She grabs onto him, but the weight of her pulls them down, and he's like, he felt like he was drowning, and so he took her. And he pushed, like, he grabbed onto her shoulders and pushed her as hard as he could. Like, up. And so he went down a little bit, but he wanted her to get to the surface. So she gets to the surface. He gets to the surface. And he's like, swim. He's like, just swim. So she's screaming, Tom, I'm drowning. And he's like, swim, Julie. I mean, there's nothing he could do because it started taking them further away from each other. He gets to, like, a really steep and muddy riverbank, and he's like, okay. So he grabs onto that, but remember, it's muddy. Think about trying to get up. Like, he was like, it was almost like a hill, like, trying to get up this riverbank. So he finally, after a lot of failed attempts, gets up. And then he looks down, and he can't see Julie anywhere. He hasn't seen Robin at all, but he doesn't see Julie anymore. So he's like, all right, I'm not going to get back in the water. I need to find help fast. So... He starts to run. He heads towards the first road he sees. He waits there for a little while, just hoping traffic, traffic will come through. Yeah. And a trucker comes. And think about the sight that they see. He's, like, soaking wet. Yeah. He's covered in, like, soot and mud and nasty, like, you know, river silt or whatever. Yeah. And <clears throat> the story he tells, the trucker's like, what on earth? He's like, yeah. this is, it's almost hard to believe, right? right? So... He waits, and the trucker was like, okay, I'll call 911. Because he's like, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay right here. So then he feels like he's waiting forever. And he's like, oh, my God, is this guy even going to believe me? Like, I know it's a wild story, but hopefully he's going to call the police. Another trucker comes by. So he flags him down. And that time the guy's like, yeah, I'm calling the police. So the police come shortly after that. So I don't know which call went through or both. but, But, yeah, so the police finally arrive. So... Before this happens, so while they're in the water and all this is going on, the four guys, Richardson, Clemens, Winfrey, and Gray, they near the entrance to the bridge, and Clemens says, we pushed them off, let's go. So they're like, see you later, we're going to just take off, right? Yeah. The group go back to their cars, they drive to Alton, Illinois, they get gas, cigarettes, sandwiches, and then they go to an observation point near the river, and they just hang out and... Eat and drink and smoke and whatever while all this is going on. So back to where the police, they come. They put Tom in the back of an ambulance and put, um, you know, like a, a blanket or a jacket around him. And he starts telling his statement. The parents are notified and everybody is obviously freaking out. The police are not telling them if people are dead or alive or what's going. They said there's an incident that happened. All right. So the parents start heading there they leave some of the other cousins back at home with the grandparents and so the police take um after all this is going on like you know they're like okay we need to get you in for questioning like we're going to keep the search going um tom takes them down to the bridge they he shows them some stuff but he's like hey we got to take you in for questioning yeah and his parents are like oh i don't know like maybe he can come back tomorrow he's like no no i want to help any way i can like we have to find him yeah we have to find him yeah so the police automatically start to doubt that Tom is telling the truth. Oh, shit. So they're thinking he's the one who did it. Pretty much. So they believe that if he jumped from such a height that he would have injuries. So he doesn't have, they say, any bruising or, um, you know, any cuts or anything noticeable right. on his body. So they're telling him, like, hey, you know, okay, are you sure? Like, 
let's talk about it again. Are you sure something didn't happen? Like something else? Um, they also said, and they'll show this picture. I watched a documentary. They show this picture of him or a little video of him sitting in the ambulance. And they're trying to say that his hair was very dry and well-groomed. Maybe what? he just had nice hair. Like, yeah. And your hair dries pretty quickly, especially it had been a if couple it's short hours. Hair too. It was short. Yeah. So I don't know. So they begin this intense interrogation of him. So he is interrogated like, I mean, it was bad. They were really uh, just aggressive towards him. They tried to come up with other reasons that this could have happened as well. So let me go to the next morning really quickly. So April 5th. So an intense search is underway for Julian Robin, right? Mm -hmm. So the, for the next eight hours without a lawyer present. Oh, God. During this search, this intense search. He's being interrogated. He's being interrogated. Oh. No lawyer the parents knew 19. about this, though, right? Right. And so his mom said that she was just trying to support him. She's like, he wants to help. I, I just want to be a supportive mom. Technically, he's 19, so he's considered an adult. Right. The, so he can decide whether he wants a lawyer or not. Yes. The father is at the police station the whole time and just waiting. So he's, oh, he's not He's not in the room. He's just waiting he's outside He's not allowed for him. in the room. He's just waiting. At, when do you think at some point, though, if your child's been in there that long, you're thinking like fuck's taking so long like yes. you know what i mean like we've been here for a couple hours already like what what are they possibly asking him yeah. at this point like right. even like an hour or two in you'd be like why are we still here this is fishy like i want to talk to my kid i mean i'm such a freak i'd be like yeah 30 minutes. me too I, like, yeah Rah. me too i would have been like um fucking clock's ticking dude like what are y'all doing what's yeah. going like there's no he told his story what what are you in here talking about for this right. long and you know, sometimes it's like, let's just solve this. And I'm not saying every police is like, everyone's like but that. But in all these cases that we have, we generally they are. <laughs> right? Like. So, oh. So, what they tried to tell Tom was that his relationship with Julie and the way that he described it, then their closeness, because they were really close and they just got close about a year to a year and a half ago. They were both visiting. Maybe grandparents or somebody like that. It doesn't really matter, but they were visiting somebody and they just really bonded and yeah. just felt like they were connected. And it didn't mean that it was a sexual thing yeah, at all. No, you can just be friends with your cousin. Right. And he was, but he did say, he's like, you know, she has a boyfriend. I had a girlfriend. Like, it's not about that. Yeah. He's like, you know, we just connected. Yeah. And they would write letters to each other and talk to each other all the time. So they were like, okay. You remember, you remember before we had cell phones when you actually had to write each what, other write letters? A letter? If they had been texting all the time, I don't think people would have thought right? much of it. They were going through the process of writing letters to each other. Writing letters. <laughs> Uh, or talking on a phone. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, um, they, they were like, okay, the way that you're describing her, like, you have more than platonic feelings for oh, her. Oh, God. So, um, they were like, all right, let's take a polygraph. Okay? We're going to take a test. So, by this time, guys, he has been awake for 30 hours. Okay, and they say he's going to take a polygraph. Do his parents know about this, or he just submits to this polygraph? He, just, he says, okay, I'll do he doesn't it. Know. Yeah, he's like, okay, oh I'll take God. it. Oh, my God. So, there is something that sleep deprivation, as we know, can make you, 
you know, your head is muddled and your thoughts are muddled and you just, you're extremely exhausted. So not yeah, everything 30 is 30-something hours. And yeah, swimming you're going to be you know? exhausted. You just fell 50 feet off of a bridge, yes. had to swim a mile, freaking work really hard to climb up on the side of this bank and then climb, go try to find a street. Now you've told all these people. And are traumatized by being victimized. By being victimized and by all your, this shit. Yeah. yeah, now you've been in here being interrogated for eight hours. Like, I can't even fucking, I don't even know what I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yep. Oh, so anyway, it's just, it's so much. So, oh my God, I did not realize how crazy this story was. It's crazy. Be. It's crazy. So, no wonder why I had a dream. I'll tell you my dream later, guys. So, <laughs> oh my God. I cannot even believe how crazy. I was not expecting this. Yes. So, sleep deprivation can make you flunk a polygraph test, right? Obviously, it can make you flunk anything. I believe that. So, he ends up failing his polygraph test. What a surprise, right? Yeah, right. But he, I, he did say that while they were asking him questions, and he, they were like, you know, close your eyes and just relax. And he said he well, closed his eyes and he was falling asleep. I believe it. I'd be nodding off too. And you know when yes. you're nodding off and you're having a conversation with somebody and you just like mm-hmm. say shit? Yes. And your heart rate jumps when you wake up. Oh, yeah, because you're startled. You startle yes. awake. So think about what that's doing to the polygraph test. So every time they ask him a question, he's like nodding off in there. Yeah, like, Did they you should hurt have Julie? let him he's have like, like a no. full night's sleep before right. they freaking. Oh my god! So his he's jumping around. They're oh. like, "All right, listen up, you fucking scumbag." They're like, "You failed it. We fucking know you did this. You're disgusting." They said horrible things to him, and they're like, "Tell us what the fuck happened, right?" They're freaking out on him. So then they're like, "You're gonna take the test again." So they make him take it again, right in the same. Yeah. What do you think oh. happens? Fails. Oh my god. So he's These freaking out too. He's like, fuck, I was just trying to help. And now they're yelling at me and yeah. screaming at me and calling me names and saying that I did this. And he's just like, he's like whirling. You know what I mean? His brain is so out of it. Did he's he like, know happened? the names of these other guys, by no, the way? He has no idea. Because when they saw each other, they didn't exchange no. like niceties, like names. They were just kind of no. like, oh, hey, whatever. Blah, they blah, literally blah. ran into each other, talked about um, a flashlight. Talked about the manhole. Yeah. And at, I think the second time they saw some campers down below and one of them screamed something down to the campers because they were all watching them at their campfire oh. for a second, which was no big deal. Yeah. And then it's like they they all started to walk away from each other and then it was, hey, this is a robbery. And that's it. So it escalated very quickly mm. the second time they met. Yeah. So anyway, they said, we know what you did. We know you made a pass at Julie. She freaked out. She was nervous. She accidentally fell into the water because she was trying to avoid, you know, your um, coming on to her. And then Robin sees her sister fall. So Robin jumps in the water to save them. And you never went in the water. And they're like, you, by the way, went 90 feet into the water. You would be dead. Okay. Let's remember this bridge is 50 feet above the water. Right. They're lying the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And they lie to his dad. They're like, your son fell 90 feet. You need to talk to him because there's no way he has no broken bones, no concussion, no bruises, nothing. Like, something happened. We're not saying, it, like, the girls weren't attacked or something, but maybe 
something else happened with Tom. Like, let's figure it out, right? Well, and obviously Dad's like, we've all been hanging out on vacation this whole time. He knew we had to leave in the morning. There's no fucking way he just decided to try to kill his fucking cousins when we had to leave the next morning. Right? Excuse me? Yeah. So he, so the dad, though, is like, okay, I haven't seen my kid. Yeah, yeah, you've had him. How am I supposed to talk right? to him? And he's like, so I, I want to see him, and so I'm going to try and figure out, like, I love you, like... Yeah, they're like, well, you know, kids lie. And he's like, well, he lied in the past about goofy kid stuff, but, like, that doesn't mean he's a murderer. So yeah. I'm going to go and talk to him and see if we can figure it out, too. Yeah. So that starts to happen. Um, nothing comes out of it. But remember, they're like, he, he fell 90 feet. Yeah. Okay, and just keeps, like, plugging it in. I'm like, that yeah. is so stupid. I mean, look it up, guys. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, look uh, it up, guys. God. <laughs> Anyway, by late <laughs> afternoon, it pisses me off. I'm like, just know. get in the, if you don't have a Google, just fucking look in the encyclopedia oh, under the yeah. Chain of Rocks Bridge. Damn Perfect. <laughs> anyway, so they keep telling him what had really happened. And he said, if that's what you want to believe, then fine. Yeah. So the police were like, confession. Right away. And so then they. What? <laughs> yeah, because they were like, you did this, you did this, you did this, and this is what happened. He was like, if you want to believe that. Yeah, he's finally exhausted. He was just done. like, fuck it, believe whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, they were screaming at him, and like, all these different guys kept coming in the room, and they'd leave him in there forever, and like, the thing with the dad didn't work, and he was just done. So he's like... I'm kind of surprised after the dad went in there, though, that he wasn't like, look, they're calling me names, they're saying all this shit, like, I didn't do anything, dad, get me out of here. Well, he felt like no one believed him. Like, nobody. He was like, no one believes me. Why does no one believe me? Like, I didn't do this, If it were me and it were one of my parents, I would have been like, look, I'm telling you. Like, I know I've lied to you about dumb shit in the past. (laughs) I did not do anything. Please get me out of here. But maybe because he's... He's 19. He's 19. can't legally do that. No, he can't. Well, maybe if it were my mom or dad, they would have been like, okay, well, I can't legally take you because you're of age, but I'll get you a fucking lawyer. Give me a second. I'm on the phone right now. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But if it were my mom, she probably would already had a lawyer before I even got in there. She'd have been like, don't say a fucking word to them. I'm getting you a lawyer right now. (laughs) Yeah, they never would have had my ass in there interrogating me for eight hours. There's no way. My mom would have been like, "Mm mm-mm, no. And you know, he just... He seemed... And I'm not saying he's innocent in life in general, but, like, for this, I feel like he just wanted to help. Yeah. And he was just like, hey, I'll do whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, that was traumatic. My cousins were just brutally raped, like, gang raped by three guys. And then they were pushed into the fucking Mississippi River from a bridge. And I watched them get pushed into the water. Yeah, and then I jumped. So, yeah. So, anyway, while all this is going on, the investigators on the bridge... Find a flashlight. And oh. guess what? It's the flashlight that, that they was were missing. missing. So it's the one that Tom had mentioned. He's like, they were asking me about a flashlight. And you're going to see I have no prints on it because mm-hmm. I didn't even know that it existed. Right. And these little fuckers probably have their prints in the system. Maybe. They, well. they sound like they've been doing some fuck shit for a while. <laughs> some fuck shit. I'm just saying. <laughs> they sound like they want, at least one of them's got a record of some kind. Right. I would bet. Oh, okay. I guess we're going to find out. Yep. Okay. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> totally fine. I like how I said they, they did some fuck shit. Okay. <laughs> Somebody so. said that once and I thought it was so funny. I was like, I'm keeping that. So the flashlight had a name engraved on the front and the back of it. So H-O-R-N, so horn, and the number one. So it was engraved in two places. The information was released to the media right away about this flashlight. Yeah. And a woman called and she's like, that is my husband's flashlight. She's oh, like, shit. Yeah, she's like, that's my husband's flashlight. Like, what the hell? 
And the flashlight had been stolen by one of their son's friends, Antonio Richardson. Huh. So the police now look for... Well, did they know that Antonio had stole the flashlight? Yeah. The, okay. the family was like, hey, my son's kid must have... I think they stole that. That's Antonio Richardson. He took that from the house. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, the son probably was like, yeah, Antonio took it or whatever. So the police now initiate a search for Antonio. So two days later, April 7th, the investigators uh, do not have enough evidence to keep Tom locked up any longer. Oh, because they locked him up. I forgot to oh, tell you. Oh, they put Sorry. his ass in jail. They put his ass in jail. Oh but okay, let me go back up just a second. So they put him in jail. So at this same time, the dad's like, fuck, he's going to get arrested, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, the mom is at home with her sister, who is the two girls' mom. Girls mom. Oh, shit. And they're talking, and they're like, we need to get Tom a lawyer. Yeah. He's been in there forever. And yeah. you know what they're doing, yeah. right? And yeah. they're like, we don't want to like be like, oh, hey, we think he's guilty, but I yeah. think we need to like help him, right? Yeah. So they call a lawyer that was friends with the sister, I guess. The lawyer calls the mom. The mom calls the dad at the police station, back and forth, back and forth. They're trying to be like, hey, we have a lawyer, no more talking, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, done. the lawyer said, they're going to arrest your kid. That's what they do. It's okay. Let them arrest him. It's fine. So At least like, he can get some fucking sleep. Maybe. He's like, I'm <laughs> heading to the station right now. He gets to the station. He's like, Tom, you're going to be arrested. It's okay. And he's like, you're going to spend the night here. And that's okay. Yeah. He's like, but then that's all they can do to keep you. Like, yeah. they can't question you. Like, we're done. Yeah. Because once I get here, mom's yeah, they can't talk to you. No yeah. talking. Yeah, don't say a word. But they're going to arrest you. So, he gets arrested. Yep. So... On April 7th, they don't have enough evidence to keep him, so they release him. Ugh. 60 hours after the start of the event. 60 hours. So I don't even know how much sleep he got, but... I would have slept for like three days after that. Not in the jail cell, though. No, I not in the like, jail. Oh. Once I got home, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I guess to my uncle's house. Right. So 60 hours after the start of the event, that happens, and police are finally able to track down Antonio. Antonio is the 16-year-old that was on the bridge, right? Okay. So he is portrayed, which I'm not saying this isn't true, but he's like a high school dropout, has substance abuse problems, and he comes from a really just not a very like like emotionally stable family. I think he dealt with a lot of abuse. So he sounds like your typical burnout. like. But I think he kind of went this route maybe because of abuse too, but there's more to his story. Well, a lot of times people abuse people because they've been abused in the past. Right. So Absolutely. So there's a lot more to this guy's story too. But anyway, oh, we God. will get there. So they bring Antonio in for questioning. Remember, he's 16. So he admitted right away that he was on the bridge. Remind me, how old were the girls? The girls were uh, 19 and 20. Okay, 19, 20. Tom was 19. 19 and these boys were, some 20, of them were younger 24. and some of them were older. Yeah, 20, okay. 24, 16, and 15. Okay. Okay. So they... Bring him in for questioning. He admits he's on the bridge that night. He's like, yeah, I was on the bridge. And then they ask him more questions and he's like, okay, well, I was on the bridge. I did take part in an attack um, of two two girls. And I, and yes, I did take part in in raping these two girls. Okay. Oh my God. He just like says it. Yeah. Cause they're like your flashlight. What were you doing? Like, we know you were on the bridge. Like what happened? We know something happened. So he's like, so now he's corroborated. Yes. Tom's story. 
So he also said he was forced into taking part in this by Marlon Gray, who's the 24-year-old. So 24 to 15. Yeah, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. Or 16. Yeah. Well, the other, the youngest is 15. Oh, youngest. So 15, 16, 20, and 24. So um, he was like, he was forced. And Marlon Gray said, if you don't take part, you're going to get hurt. Okay. So he's like threatening, supposedly. These are, this is what Antonio was saying. Okay. So, the police take Richardson down to the bridge, Antonio Richardson down to the bridge, to show him where the manhole is, where Tom, Julie, and Robin were forced to go down, and where they went into the water. So, he takes them right there. So, he told them that Richard Clemens, one of the other assailants, um, also took part in this. He's like, well, well, Richard Clemens did it too. Like, he's just giving. Oh, yeah, he's just telling everybody. Yeah, Yeah, he's singing like a bird. Yeah, totally. Um, so he's taken in for questioning, um, Clemens is, he breaks down crying hysterically, so upset, like he cannot hold it in at all. And then he confesses to being part of the attack and raping, um, one of the girls. So he says he raped one of them. So then he tells the police that it was Antonio Richardson who came up with the idea about murdering the girls. Okay. So later that evening... The police finally tracked down Marlon Gray. So Marlon Gray, remember, is the 24-year-old, right? Right. So, and that's who Antonio was like, it was his idea, and he said if I didn't do it, I was going to get hurt. Yeah. Okay. So he was cocky. He was like, yeah, I'm the leader of the group. I'm like, well, dude, you're 24. Like, <laughs> Yeah, what? what? <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, he also admitted to taking part in the attack and the rape. I'm kind of shocked that all these boys are just, re- like, already just like, oh, yeah, I totally raped those girls. I know. Like, wait, what? You guys aren't going to even try to fucking act like you didn't do anything? They all just get it right in there, and they're just like, oh, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we definitely did that. Okay, so. What? Antonio starts this. Okay, and so there is something about Antonio that I'm going to get more into later, but he has an extremely low IQ. Okay. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Like, very low. So, on the verge of, like, and I don't like this word, but in, like, this sense, like, on the verge of, like, mental retardation, okay? So, okay. he, I don't think he has the capacity necessarily to just not say it. Yeah. So, he starts Well, he the also whole, doesn't sound like he has the capacity to come up with this vicious yeah, plan right, either. Right. So, he just kind of lets it out there, and then it all starts rolling downhill yeah. from there, right? Okay. So, um... Marlon Gray is six foot four and over 200 pounds. So he is much larger than the other kids, too. He's a big guy. Yeah. He sounds like a full grown adult. And it was his job to take down Tom. So he's a big guy. Oh, he's the one that had Tom pinned down. He pins him down. He didn't keep him down the whole time, though, because believe me, they were taking turns. They were taking turns. Oh, God. So (sighs) he said, so Marlon Gray says that after the attacks, he left the bridge. He's like, yeah, I raped him. And then I went back to the car. And he's like, and honestly, I went back to the car to smoke some weed. So he says he's just smoking weed in his car. Oh, now he's not only admitting to raping girls, but he's just outwardly telling cops that he's smoking he was weed. smoking pot. Yes. Okay. And he said that None he... of them sound very smart, by the way. <laughs> right. Well, and his mom, his poor mom was on this documentary and she's like, he was a sweet boy and... You know, he was so intelligent and this and this and that. And, like, I mean, everyone loves their kids and stuff. And I'm not saying he's, all like, the worst person on the planet. But he did not make good choices. No, that's something's wrong with you if you're doing this. Right? So he says, uh, he went back to the car. And he's like, I was not there for any girls being murdered. 
He's like, yeah, I raped them, but I, I did not stay around. So I don't know what happened, right? Yeah, because that's perfectly okay just to yeah. rape somebody. Totally fine. So Marlon also gives the police the name of the fourth person, person. involved. Okay. And that's 15-year-old Daniel Winfrey. So uh, he admitted only to restraining the girls, Daniel. And he was... Oh, he says he didn't rape anybody. He, he just says held he them did down. Not. He held them down. And he did not rape them. He was 15, and I don't think he... He didn't want to take part in that, but got it. He still held these women Girl, down, Dan- girls yeah. down, so they could be raped. And he's saying he didn't do it, but he might have been the only smart one that didn't yeah, immediately I, offer they up. They all acted like he didn't do it, but he did hold, hold them down. When they finally find them, do they do rape kits later to figure out who actually did and didn't do anything? I'll tell you later. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting too <laughs> far ahead. I'm like, my wheels are turning. Remember, it's 1991 as well. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Oh, shit. Sorry. (laughs) So, the next day, April 8th, 1991, police call a news conference to announce that they had solved the case and had the perpetrators in custody. But soon after that, Marlon Gray was like, I did not do this, and the police beat me and forced me to say I did. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, this case is fucked. It's crazy, right? Okay, so late. Did they video his interrogation to show that he didn't get beat? No, but they did. There's a lot of video of him being like, they did this to me and they did this to me and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying police don't do that shit because they do. Yeah. But I think he's guilty for sure. Yeah. After an intensive search of the Mississippi River, the two girls were still missing in late April. Oh, wow. Okay. So on April 26th. My birthday. Oh, God. Oh, God. Three weeks later, 200, 200 miles Oh, wow. Downstream, they were pulled that far. A fisherman found one body. Oh. Julie Carey. And she was only identifiable by dental records. Oh, shit. And Robin's body has never been found. Oh, no. Look at my arms. I'm so I know. like, oh. She's never been found. So Wait. she's still out there. Somewhere. We've been on the Mississippi River a few times. She's still out there. I mean, this is a very long time ago, 30 years. But yeah, still, but that's still like, her... That's sad. It's horrible. So, Not to mention he never heard her after they fell, he and never, she stayed silent through the attack, so... I mean, I think she was in such shock... Yeah, I think, that yeah. she... I mean, and then from being brutally yeah. raped and attacked, and they also were like, hey, I've never been able to pop anyone's cherry before. They were oh, saying disgusting things. God. So the poor girls were most likely virgins, too, and then they've been brutally raped and attacked, forced down a manhole, and then pushed off of a fucking bridge. I want to see photos um, of... Because the manhole they went down through, so they got closer to the water when they went down, right? So were they saying mm-hmm. that the 50 feet is... It's from the bottom of the bridge. Oh, it's from the bottom of the bridge. Okay, yeah. I was thinking it was from where the road was. So 50 feet is from where they were actually at down the manhole. Right there. I have a picture and I will post it for you yep. as well. Okay, I just want to see what it looks like under the bridge, though, where they could have had, like, space It was to, like a... Like, just like a Are concrete there platform. There might be. A, there's a concrete platform down there, and so that's where they were able to... Hide out. Yeah, okay, hide so out. it really wasn't that deep underneath it not that deep underneath yeah yeah just a little bit like i mean maybe five six seven feet something like that it wasn't crazy okay anyway so at this point the police start to put together a double homicide case right Mm -hmm. so they believe marlon gray was the leader the oldest one 
Um, he was said to have bragged about the murders. Um, he's also said to have been wearing a watch that looked like Tom's watch that was stolen. Oh. So the police believe <laughs> that Antonio and Reginald. There you go. Who were cousins. They were cousins. They were cousins too? They were cousins too. Oh, good Lord. So they were the ones that pushed Julie and Robin off the bridge. And the police believed that these two cousins and Winfrey were all followers of Marlon Gray. So... The three young boys all looked up to Marlon Gray, is what the police are saying. So Winfrey, the young one, told the police that Gray had come up with the plan of attack, smacking his hands together, saying, I feel like hurting somebody tonight. Again. Again, yeah. Gray told Antonio and Reginald to take the girls down to a particular manhole to get rid of them. So they've been down a lot of the manholes before, uh-huh. and they picked one particular one. Because they knew it'd be easier to shove them or yes. whatever. So, October of 1992 now. So, at this point, Marlon Gray files a brutality complaint. Against against the cops. Accusing the police (laughs) of beating his confession out of him. Oh, my God. He said he was punched in the stomach, in the chest, and at uh, one point, they put their hands around his neck, choking him. Interesting. His mom said that after she saw him after this attack, he was blurry-eyed and confused. But the police took pictures of him after the interrogation. There was... There were no, no injuries, bruises, no, no bruises, nothing. nothing was ever seen That's on kind him. of funny that they took pictures after. It's almost like they knew ahead of time this kid was going to turn around and say some shit. So, no wrongdoing by police was ever concluded to be factual. So, nor do I think that... I don't believe it either, to be honest. I He did that afterwards because he realized he was screwed. Yeah, he was screwed. I'm not saying that police never do this. I believe they oh, do. Oh, 100% I, I believe it. But in do. this case, yeah, I don't think so. <sighs> So, October 1992, the four men were in custody for the murder of Julie and Robin. The youngest one, Winfrey, agreed to testify against the other three men for a lighter sentence. He was like, fuck yeah. I don't yeah. So, the prosecutor for the case strongly believed that Marlon Gray was the mastermind behind the attack, and he did, but he did not push the girls off the bridge, but he was in charge of everything nonetheless. Yeah, so, I mean, still. He right. instructed somebody to, it's the same as doing it. Right. So October 9th, 1992, Marlon Gray's murder trial begins. So they're all tried separately. Uh, The defense argued that Marlon Gray was beaten by the police and was forced to confess. The prosecutor calls Tom to the stand, the cousin Tom Cummins. Mm -hmm. Tom identified Gray as one of the assailants, retelling the events of the evening. The defense tried to use his feelings for Julie and his advances towards her as, like, a catalyst for why she, like, fell off the bridge. And he denied it. And he's like, the police suggested it. I gave up at the time. And I was like, fine, whatever. He's like, but it didn't happen. So then she asked Tom if the police had abused him during his interrogation. And he had said yes. But he meant, I think, Oh, verbally. verbally. Yeah, because they did verbally Because they were really hard and mean and called him names. Uh, So that helped the defense's case a bit. Because Gray was like, I was beaten. beaten. Right? So. So the prosecutor redirected that Tom's remarks to the police had been made in sheer exhaustion and that Gray had not been abused by the police. And the state then turned to Marlon Gray's confession where he admitted to raping the girls. Yeah. Right? So October 14th, the prosecution calls the youngest one, Winfrey, to take the stand. He had already pled guilty, remember, Uh to a lighter sentence. Yeah, yeah. And was testifying against uh, Gray. So he testified that Gray had been the mastermind behind the attack and that Gray had left the bridge after the attack, but he had instructed, instructed them to push those them. Reginald and Antonio, the cousins, to take the three victims down the manhole and get rid of them. 
The next day, October 15th, after calling 34 witnesses, the prosecution rested. So then the defense focuses on Tom again as the murderer, mm-hmm. playing the video of him in the back of the ambulance mm. with his hair. Oh my and God. Come on. His yeah. hair? Shut up. Yeah. Ugh. That's okay. all you got? A photo of some hair? Yeah, his hair is neatly combed and dried. Yeah, give me a fucking break. He probably just had really good hair gel. Back in the day, they had some <laughs> serious concrete fucking hair gel, okay? Right? So then, she then called Marlon Gray to the stand. He admitted to being on the bridge, and he had said he'd gone to the car to smoke weed, and he had only learned about the murders uh, when the the other three came back from the bridge. He said... Oh, he told them to push them off, but yet he didn't know about it until they came back and told him that they did it. Right. He's like, I didn't do that. He's like, I literally raped the girls, went back to smoke some weed, and didn't know what was going on. The other three come back to me and were like, hey, we got rid of them. And he's like, and I've been beaten for hours. Um, He's like, they were taking breaks and... Uh, he was just like, but he also, when he was being, um, interrogated, he was getting like really irritated and like bitchy with the prosecutor and he was very combative. Okay. So Uh he was just getting, he's like done. Right. He was like, well, I was just, I was feeling completely annoyed because no one was believing me and blah, blah, blah. So, okay. So at this point the defense rests, right. And the jury deliberates for just under four hours. It's not a very long time. Uh -uh. So they find Marlon Gray guilty. And the prosecutor now focuses on Antonio Clemens and Reginald, oh, I'm sorry, Reginald Clemens and Antonio Richardson, who were under the bridge and had pushed Julie and Robin off the bridge. So now we're all the way up to February 2nd of 1993. Okay. So the trial of Reginald Clemens goes Mm. underway in three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Even faster. The jurors come back with a guilty plea, and he was sentenced to death. So, with two convictions and a guilty plea, the state offers Antonio Richardson a deal so he can avoid the death penalty with a guilty plea and get life in prison instead. So, they do have this death penalty here. Lethal injection or gas. God. Okay. So, Richardson, Antonio Richardson, he declines the deal. So, after nine hours of deliberation, the jurors come back with a guilty verdict, but they could not decide on a sentence. They couldn't decide on a sentence. So, if you come back with a unanimous guilty, okay, so you're guilty, but Uh if you don't have a sentence, under Missouri law, in this situation, it goes to the judge. Oh, so the judge decides. Okay. So, the judge sentenced Antonio Richardson to death by lethal injection. Wait, but he wasn't, was he old enough? Okay, so what I'm reading, it says Missouri allows the death penalty by lethal injection or gas, which is overseen by the Department of Corrections. The death penalty can be imposed on individuals bleh, on individuals who are at least 18 years old and found to have deliberately committed first-degree murder, a Class A felony. So, times have changed. Okay, so maybe we'll back there. then. We'll get okay. there. Okay. So, okay. So, Antonio Richardson was scheduled to be executed and was hours away from death. When he was granted a reprieve. Oh, shit. So the U.S. Supreme Court halts the execution because they need to decide if it's constitutionally, um, if it should be constitutional to put someone to death who could yeah. be mentally impaired. Oh. Right? Yeah. So remember what I said. So Richardson's IQ was around 70. And in in 1993, his IQ was assessed at 73, 
Uh, he was also within the borderline retardation range. And in 1994, a psychologist found that when he was 19 years old at that time, he operated at the level of a seven-year-old in the area of communication and social skills and functioned as a 12-year-old in the area of daily living skills. So if you think about it, I have an eight-year-old. He can't keep a secret to save his life. Right. So think about his confession uh-huh. like so fast. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. so it's, I'm glad that the U.S. Supreme Court was like, wait. Yeah, he might not be co- mentally competent to, to accept yeah. this. Yeah. And if you think about somebody who's socially uh, communicating at that level, and then in his skills, he's 12. Well, if somebody older than you, yeah, you're tells you to do something, to, you're, you're going to do, do it. it. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So, in June of 20, I mean, of 2002, another U.S. Supreme Court decision was made, ruling that a judge cannot determine the sentencing in death penalty cases. Oh. So, his death sentence was commuted to life without parole. But he continues to say he is innocent. So he's the first one that said everything. Yeah, but now he's saying he's innocent. Yes, and I saw an interview with him, and he was just like, I'll never say that I'm guilty of something I didn't do. Like, he is all about he is innocent. So Marlon Gray now and Reginald Clemens both say that they're innocent as well. So <laughs> well, go figure. So all of them now are innocent. Yeah. But in October of 2005, Marlon Gray was executed by lethal injection. Hmm. So the oldest one, the 24-year-old at the time of the attacks. Well, when he got, so when he got lethal injection, he was what, in his 30s? So in 91, he was 24. So then this is in 2005. Oh, I don't math well. <laughs> we, all, we all know that. He was in his, so he, he was, was 40 old, He was probably, yeah, 40-something. Okay, so Reginald Clemens was originally convicted and sentenced to death, and he was weeks away from execution as well when the appeals court blocked it, and eventually his conviction was overturned by the Missouri Supreme Court. So he remains in custody, serving a 15-year sentence for a 2007 assault of a corrections officer. So, (laughs) Okay, so they found him not guilty of the other thing, but now he's serving 15 years for assaulting a corrections officer? Well, the court blocked... The appeals court kind of blocked it. So they were like, okay, well, his conviction's overturned. So he's not in trouble for that right now, right? But he, while he was in jail... He assaulted he a assaulted corrections someone. officer. So they're like, so we're going to keep you in for yeah. this, though. So he gets 15 years for that. So they're like, okay, you're not guilty of that, but you did this, so you get 15 years, right? So he's in there for 15 years. And then he's awarded a new trial because they don't just... Like, you overturn a conviction, and sometimes you get another trial if... The um, state wants to go after you and retry the case, yeah, right? Yeah, Well, because obviously the state's like, no, he's fucking guilty. So yes. let's do this again. Yeah. Yeah. So prosecutors present new evidence. Ooh. And because it's now 2015. Oh, shit. So, so they've got plenty of DNA stuff now. So they had taken their clothes and all this yeah. stuff, right? So DNA from Clemens and co-defendant Marlon Gray are indicative of sexual activity found on pants that Marlon Gray wore during the crime. So, this time, Reginald Clemens is like, fine, I did it. Because, come on, you've got your yeah. like, But it's so disgusting, because this is from Gray's clothes, and it's like three people's DNA on it. Because they were... They were all doing it, so yeah. then it got on... 
Ugh. Oh, disgusting. God. These boys are so fucking disgusting. So, he pleads to five counts. Oh, but they didn't find the DNA of the one who said, I just held them down. I right. didn't do anything. He didn't get it. Yeah, he didn't So, do he it. actually didn't do anything. He, did he just held them down. Yes, which is just as it Just bad. as bad, for sure. But I was like, fuck him. He did it, too. But right. he didn't. He okay. Did so... He, for his plea, guilty to five counts. Two counts of second degree murder, two counts of rapes, and one count of first degree murder. So he was given five consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole instead of the death penalty. Huh. So a little bit more on this DNA. This is what they said. DNA with female characteristics extracted from the condom matches DNA with a female. Oh, they used condoms? They left them because they're dumb. They raped them with condoms and then left them there. Some of them, yes. Not all of them. I don't know. They probably threw some, but there was one that they found. Like an idiot. Yeah. They're not smart. They were smart enough to use condoms, which is surprising. Right. They, well, there was one part that I didn't find, like, that, you know, I didn't need to bring it up. But, like, when he was walking, it says in this book that I read, like, he was handing out condoms. Who knows if that was really true or if they just all had their condoms or whatever. But, yeah. So. Well, I feel like boys of that age normally have at least one in their pocket, right? Right. So, Because they're all always worried about whether they're going to get lucky or not. Exactly. Or. I'm just shocked that they were wearing, I don't know why this is shocking me, but I'm, like, shocked that they were even using them. If they were, like, raunchy enough to rape some girls, it's, like, shocking to me that they were even conscious enough to be, like, I guess they were worried about their selves catching anything from the other boys, or But did they all use them properly because all this DNA was found on one person's boxers? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, clearly not. Right. Disgusting. Anyway, okay, so DNA with female characteristics extracted from the condom matches DNA with female characteristics extracted from Marlon Gray's boxers and pants. This is from a DNA analyst from the Missouri Highway Patrol. So, um, another DNA analyst, Kim Gordon, she is an analyst for the Paternity Testing Corporation in Columbia, Missouri. She said that this female DNA is 99.99%, she said, and many more nines than that, Yes. more likely to be the daughter of the Carrie girl's parents than a random person. So according to comparisons to yeah, the so parents' so clearly it DNA, was the girls. The girls were yeah. on his clothes. The DNA on both gray shorts and pants was subjected to a process that separates out sperm cells, enabling a separation of male DNA profiles. The male DNA on his shorts contains a mixture of at least two individuals and that girl, and yeah, one yeah, of the Curie girls, yeah. or both. Uh, neither Gray nor Clemens could be eliminated as a possible match, obviously, right. based on a comparison of their DNA profiles. She said that male DNA on Gray's pants contained a mixture. Well, and two of them were related. Were the two that were related, were they both the rapists they did as it too. well? Yeah, absolutely. So, so no wonder. Because they're rela- if they were cousins, then their DNA should be somewhat similar. Well, that was just his boxers. So now we're getting to his pants. Oh, God. So the male DNA on Greg's pants contained a mixture of at least three individuals. And Gray Clemens and Antonio Richardson could not be eliminated from a possible match. So never Winfrey again. He held yeah. them down but yeah. did not read them. So back to Winfrey. He was paroled in 2006. Remember, he got a lighter sentence. Right. But the dumbass violated his parole and he's back in prison. What did he do? I, don't, I didn't even look it up. I was like, fuck him. Like, he's an idiot. Wow. 
So the only good thing that came out of this in 1995, so closer to when this happened, Tom Cummins sued the police department with a civil suit. Good. And he won for having a violation of his civil rights. Good. Right? So, yeah. So that's the story. Um, at least they got them all. They are also leading to their own further demise by, you know, attacking yeah. people in prison yeah. and corrections officers, corrections officers and, and yeah. violating parole and and doing all kinds of stupid shit. So that's where we're at. Um, but at least they were captured. Uh, they later DNA profiles were able to link them 100 percent to Good. the crime. Tom obviously was innocent, innocent. right? Wow. So it's a crazy so story. So the book that I got that you read on this, was that written by him then? So the book was written by Tink, who is Janine Cummings. She's one of the cousins. So she is Tom's sister. Oh, okay. So she wrote the book. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the book, uh, I will list all of these sources, but the book is called A Rip in Heaven. And, A Memoir um, of Murder and Its Aftermath. Yeah. And it's written by Tom's uh, sister, sister. Janine Cummings. Interesting. Dude. So anyway, that's the story. That's wild. It's a wild story. I was not expecting it to be that crazy. It is. I mean, God. And when there's the worst thank God is when for there's DNA no DNA. Evidence. I know. Yeah, thank back God in the for day, DNA evidence. Thank God for saving it and yeah. preserving it the right way. Right. That too. Because you hear so many horror stories of. Well, I guess because you know, their trials not. were ongoing and things like that. Or do they always keep that stuff? How I, long do they keep evidence for? I'm not do we sure. Know? I'm not sure. I've heard some pretty bad stories about people like where they stored the evidence, did not have temperature control at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And like things were water, destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Damage and things like that. Yeah. But at least this, they kept it. Or for some reason, certain police it. departments get burned down all the time and lose like. Important we lost information. All of our yeah, we don't have any of our evidence anymore. Right. That shit happens like too often. Too often. Yeah. Nope. That's crazy. All right, let's go to something happier. Let's go to our trivia. Yes. Okay, so trivia. Okay, so this one's really exciting because I actually have, um, we're going to give you the answer, and then I actually have everybody's answers for what their last meal would be. So I have a ton of last meals to read off and it's really interesting hearing what some people's last meals, last would, meals be. would be. Um, okay, so the, the question for last week was, what was John Wayne Gacy's last meal? I had a couple people get it completely correct and I had a couple people guess one thing, but unfortunately I'm not giving it to the people that only guessed the one thing because... It was a lot of things. Um, and the, the one thing was very obvious, which is the one thing that everybody brought up, which yeah. is the bucket of KFC. Right. But there was a lot of other things. So great guesses, but you didn't get it. <laughs> um, so it was a pound of strawberries, a bucket of KFC, a dozen fried shrimp, and French fries. Yeah. And um, he wasn't messing around. No, he wasn't. And I only had a couple people get it correct, and I didn't write it down, so let me pull it up really quick. Um, but the people that did get this correct were just Jess Toomey, Haley Nett, and Amber M. Cunningham. You guys all got it correct. Good job, Good guys. Good job. Everybody else was just like fried food or KFC. And I'm like, yeah, you're partially correct. <laughs> partially, but, but not. there's I'm so busy. much other stuff that I want you to have everything. Right. Okay. So, with that being said, let's talk about 
last meals because we had a lot of people write in and tell me last meals and like I said they're really interesting so I really wanted to read them off to everybody. And a side note really fast so I taught a yoga class last night and afterwards because it was kind of a small intimate class uh -huh. I asked them all. Oh did you? Because <laughs> yeah, we were we all know each other so it yeah. wasn't like I was asking random yoga right. students but it was their answers were funny so I can tell you some of that too. Okay cool all right I have a long list so I'm going to try to read through them quickly yeah. so that we don't waste too much time on it but so Haley Nett said a bucket of KFC as well, a pomegranate, strawberry lemonade, and french fries. Funny how hers is very similar oh. to his. Um, Jess Toomey said a spread of all different types of tacos, fresh guacamole, and a margarita. Mm -hmm. Love that for you. Yep. Uh, Amber M. Cunningham said French toast and a peanut butter cup ice cream. Okay. Uh, Misconduct Pod said steak, mashed potatoes with gravy, and a ton of A1 sauce. <laughs> Um, Lauren Haynes said spicy turkey hoagie with all the fixings like lettuce, tomato, and banana peppers, salt and vinegar chips, and a peanut butter milkshake. Oh. Peanut butter milk. Man. Peanut butter ice cream in general seems popular. Interesting. Um, Patience Scanlon said beef wellington. I have to say, these people are missing it on the drinks here. I know. I Just wait. Mine yeah. has a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, Janie Gooden said ramen. Okay. Uh, Hopefully good ramen and not like ramen in a package. I know her. It would be good ramen. Okay, good. Um, pizza, punk, pizza Punk Profile said Popeye's five-piece spicy tender meal, a biscuit, and fries. <laughs> um, okay, so this is my the friend. The specificity of that was really So uh, my liminal life, which is my friend Ashley, and she went fucking ham. So I had to abbreviate this just a little bit because otherwise we'd be reading for like an hour. Okay. Um, and she's very specific about where these places are that she'd get these things, which I was cracking <laughs> up because I was like, she put a lot of thought into this as I did. Um, a chocolate malt from Dog and Shake, two Bloody Marys from Organic Banana Nola, a Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout, water from the mountains in Alaska. There was a lot more to that. I shortened oh, it. Um, and it was like something like a smart water bottle full of this specific water from a specific glacier in Alaska. Um, uh, an Unway burger. I think I wrote the wrong, I think I like autocorrected a wrong word for that. So okay. that's going to be probably incorrect. Sorry, Ash. Um, Custard-filled waffles with strawberries, also from a very specific place. Um, <laughs> oh a medium-rare filet mignon. Oh, my God. With fried green tomato and imperial sauce from Jackson's. A big box combo from Cane's with a Coke and a ton of ketchup and a ton of pepper, which she actually had specific amounts of packages of that this ketchup. And hilarious. I was cracking up trying to read this one. Good job, girl. Um, PCB Motor says his mom's spaghetti. Aww, what a sweetheart. That's, that's nice. actually one of my friends that's a cop in Panama City Beach. That's sweet. I know. I was like, your mom's spaghetti. You're such an angel, I baby. Know. I'd be like, aw. Yeah. Um, Jacob Cook said crawfish, corn, red potatoes, blackberry cobbler, and a glass of milk. Wow. Ew. Yeah. The milk part, the I'm milk like, part's like, come yucker. on. The rest of it's great, though. Okay. This one's a hard one. It's Son Jade Bruin. Okay. I could be, or maybe it's. Sonia de Bruin. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. She just said ice cream. Okay. Um, my <laughs> my sister said sushi, flaming hot Cheetos, and three Boston cream donuts. And she said she would call them <laughs> Bavarian cream donuts, but she looked it up, and the technical term is actually Boston cream. And she said to her husband's um, 
I can't remember exactly what she said, but basically her husband would be stoked that she said Boston cream because we call them Bavarian cream. And oh. he gives her a really hard time about that. I call them Boston that. cream too. Yeah. We, we've always called them Bavarian cream because if you get them at Krispy Kreme, they're called Bavarian oh, cream donuts. So that's what we just grew up on Krispy Kreme. So that's what we've always called them. Yeah. But I guess the technical term is it's Boston, Boston cream. Yeah. So she was like, yeah, anyway. All right. Um, so your husband, Jason, said... I have to say what he do said Do you want to first. read his? You read his. You tell us his. Okay. What do you said remember first it? Was or do you need to hilarious. read it? I kind of need to look at it. Okay. But he goes, this is such a Jason thing. He's like, am I innocent or guilty? I said, it doesn't Does it matter. matter? What's your meal? He goes, well, if I'm innocent, I'm going to order shit from real far away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, okay. So he says, hello, hello from Jojo Save Ice in Kauai, Hawaii. Sweet and spicy chicken burrito from Colby's um, Tacos here in St. Louis. And very expensive bourbon. And he said, I am for sure barfing in the execution chamber. <laughs> and clearly he says that he's innocent because he picked some shit from all the way in Hawaii. Right. I love that. It's hilarious. So my husband, basically, he had a really hard time deciding, but... He said filet mignon from Firefly, a which surprise. is a restaurant in Panama City Beach. It's his favorite thing. A glass of red wine and tiki masala. A glass? Aaron, come a, on. Yeah. Try a bottle. Take the goddamn bottle. Try a bottle, hon. He was trying um, to be nice. Right. He's he like, was. I'm not trying to drink yeah, it all. Yeah, bullshit. Like, drink it all. Um, my mother said lobster, butter yeast rolls, Caesar salad, and key lime pie. Okay. That sounds good. So I'm going to read you mine, and then you can tell me what yours is. Okay. And I'm cracking up because I asked my sister this question the other day, and she basically told me, not exactly word for word, but she nailed what mine would be. And it just, like, shows how close we are. I thought yeah. that was so funny. She, like, nailed it. That's hilarious. So mine is a very big spread. I would have French toast, a cheesy gordita crunch from Taco Bell, <laughs> <laughs> a butter beer from Harry Potter World. Oh, hilarious. Sour Skittles, a bowl of cinnamon life with oat milk. Oh, my God. And... The last and most important is a bowl of cucumbers, tomatoes, and purple onion chopped up and soaked overnight in distilled white vinegar. Oh my god! Don't dilute that shit with water. Ain't no bitch. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Those are like all of my favorite things. Just period. Hilarious. What's yours? I'm dying to know. She would not tell me. I I asked her. I was like, "Can I know now?" And she was like, "No, we're gonna make this a surprise." And I was like, "God damn it!" Okay. So I'm such a freak. So here we go. This is totally me. Okay, I agree that I want that hollow hollow from Kauai. Kauai. One hundred fucking percent. It's the most fabulous thing on the planet, and you can't get it. Don't even try and get an imitation anywhere else. Okay. All right. I need some sushi. I want a huge spread of. All of my favorite sushi, but I don't want like Schnucks sushi. No, or any no, of that it, shit. this is going to be like, good, expensive sushi. Like Sapporo 2 or like Mochi, or <laughs> uh, there was a really great place in Mesa. Maybe I should get from there. I'm yeah. not sure. Okay, I want an entire bottle of Hess Cabernet, and I'm going <laughs> to drink it all. It's not unheard of that I do this, but I'm drinking all of it. And then I want a Bloody Mary and. I think I want a margarita as well because I like all of those things. I'm going to feel so sick. I don't care because I'm going to die. You know what? I left alcohol off of mine because it hurts my stomach. But if I'm about to, if I'm about to die, I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna right now add a Bloody Mary. Perfect. Because they are just bring my two. Just fit. have two. Okay, You're fuck eating it. A I want two. It. Fuck it. There's yeah. no way I, I would barf before I'd finish all this food. Oh, 100%. There's no fucking way. But you get to just taste it all, right? Yeah, that's fine. So then I'm having guacamole because I love it. And I need some really good like Caesar's margarita in Chicago yeah. chips. Or maybe even um what is it here? Uh Pueblo Solis. I love that place. Yeah. And they've got great chips, chips. and guacamole there. 
Then I want um, dolmas from the vine, and those are like grape leaves, stuffed grape leaves. I don't want any meat in them. I only eat seafood. I'm a vegetarian. Other than that, don't fuck with me. <laughs> and then I want some lychee fruit straight from Hawaii, oh, and I want shit. it peeled. And I want it peeled. You better peel it. <laughs> don't bring me that shit in the case. I want it peeled. And I might want a bubble tea. <laughs> With extra boba I'm, and lychee fruit. I'm sorry. I didn't. I thought you were done after you said no. all your drinks. <laughs> I love this. No. That was amazing. Okay, so I have one last one that I want to read. Okay. Because it was actually my sister's guess for the trivia question. And I thought it was so funny that I wanted to share it with everybody. Okay. So, um, well, how do you say this word? Is that fuger? Fuger? I'm not sure. So it says, for in March 15th, 1963, for his last meal, Fugger did not want anything fancy. In fact, his request was not even really a meal at all. All he wanted was a single olive with the pit still in it. He told guards he hoped an olive tree would sprout from his grave as a sign of peace. So he swallowed the olive with the pit in it so that he could have an uh, olive tree grow, grow from the fucking pit. Yes. Stupid. By the way, I'm I adding... think this is hilarious. He had one I mean, it is funny. Ol- This dude ate one olive. His oh, last meal. He, he could eat anything eat he wants, and he ate an olive. I have to say, I'm adding olives to my list, like a spread of them, because olives are like one of my favorite things. And maybe some pickles, because I like them too. I'm going to feel horrible. If I could keep going, I would want strawberries and peaches too, because they're my favorite fruit. You know, I, would have I might to have not those. even like puke. You and I might both just like shit our pants. A hundred percent. I have an ironclad stomach, but the other end, not so much. <laughs> I'm sure everybody, all of our listeners love to hear that. Yay. All right. So real people here. Woohoo. All right. So our question. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. So our question this week is, what genetic syndrome has been studied as a possible link to serial killing? Okay. So we went back to a serious note. Yep. Off of our high of food. Yeah, I can't really Um, ask a question for you to answer so yeah we'll stick with this one (laughs) yeah let's just stick with this one okay so yeah uh as always shoot in your answers give us your your uh answers so we can put them on here like share subscribe all those things really help us out also our trivia trivia i'm an idiot our (laughs) our what is the word i'm looking for you know what I'm looking for. Our merch. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? I don't know. Our merch is live, you guys. <laughs> Finally. Yay. Our merch is live. So if you go to our Instagram page, um, there is a link there for our link tree, which Mandy set up for us. And you can see merch. You can see blog posts. You can see the trivia. You can see all that stuff. It takes you straight to the website and also links for for listening to the podcast and everything. So um, check it out. We don't have everything that we're going to have available just yet. Only a couple things for now. We're still got, you know, shirts and things in the works, but there's some smaller items there for you guys to to shuffle through and purchase. Put the stickers on your car, on your computer, on your water bottles. 100%. Buy some for your friends. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Help us out. Let's rock some merch. All All right, right, guys. guys. So as always, remember, don't get in the van.